Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. So uh, if you guys got your Bibles, we're going to be ministering out of the King ja- the New King James Version tonight. And so we're going to bring everything through the lens of the New King James Translation. Um, I brought this random red pack up here for a little illustration because I like to do things like that. I like to uh, I like for you to be able to see things because I'm a visual type of learner myself. So I like to minister God's word visually sometimes. So I'm going to need um, uh, two volunteers for this, actually. Oh, yeah, you're going to participate tonight. Um, I, I don't want only teenagers because they're like, oh, yeah, it's me. It's, I want I want to get I want to stir some adults up. I want an adult uh, volunteer and a teen volunteer. OK, so uh, let's see. I'm going to find the adult first. Where's the adult first? Um, I will pick an adult. You have to come up here because I have the microphone. So if you raise your hand or I'm going to pick you. Um, Right. um, Right here. Will. Will, you're you're up. Come on up here, Will. Everybody give him a hand. Give him a hand to Will. And then now for the teen volunteer, I'm going to have, it only seems fitting that we would do Kendra, his daughter. Come on, Kendra, give it up for Will and Kendra. Come on, give them a, give them a hand as they come up here. So what I have in my hand is a defibrillator. And don't worry, it is a dummy, I think. So I think it's a dummy. So um, Will, you are going to lay down right here. Everybody give Let's put it over here. All right, Will, perfect. All right, and you are going to be administering the defibrillator. Is that Okay. So you've just found your dad. He's unconscious. He's laying there lifeless on the ground. Okay. Now you're going to go over there and you're going to do something. I'm giving you instructions. You don't have to worry about knowing how to do it. I'm going to do that. Okay. Go ahead. Go over there to your father. Now first say, dad, dad, are you okay? (laughs) Say, say, dad, dad, are you okay? Okay. No response. So she just found his, her dad unresponsive. So now uh, we're going to go check, see if he's breathing. <laughs> here's a disclaimer. Here's a disclaimer. This by no means certifies you to administer the defibrillator in a real life emergency situation. So if you would like to learn how to do that, you're going to need to see Ernie Marrera. He will teach you. All right, go ahead. Did you get a response? No. Heart stop beat. Check his pulse. No, yeah, there you go. Check his pulse. You got a pulse? No, there's no pulse. There's no, no, there's no pulse. Okay, so now you're going to take the, you're going to take the defibrillator. Here it is. Here it is. Everyone see textbook defibrillator. Take that. Now pull out here. Here's some pads. I'm giving you instruction. Okay, there are, there are the um, pads that are going to go on. We're going to, we don't have to take a shirt off for this illustration. Um, we're just going to, so unwrap that and lay the pads on his chest and then hook them up to the defibrillator. I'm going to mess that word up yet. There you go. Yep. We're about to find out. All right. Now plug it up. All right. Now put, turn the power on. Green button. <laughs> All right. So, so now we're going to fast forward this a little bit. She has already, this thing takes a while to charge up. Um, so while we're waiting on a charge up, it has just now said, okay, charge is ready, administer shock. Okay, that's what it does because I took the class. All right, so, so now that he's administered shock, you're going to say, you're going to yell something. You're going to say, clear, and yell it real loud. 
clear. Oh, I mean, like, if someone touches him, when you push that button, everyone gets shocked. So say, clear. Clear. It's pretty good. Now hit the button. No, no, hit the button for real. No, I'm just kidding. All right, you guys can go back and sit down. You're good, you're good, you're good. You're good. Everybody give him a hand, give him a hand, give him a hand. You can just leave it laying there. Perfect. All right, all right. Now that I got you guys awake, now that everyone's awake on a Wednesday night, let's see. Do you guys count the, is there like a certain length back it has to be? Do you count them? Because I always wonder how they put the pulpit in the exact same position every time. They must count the, how many? Four. I knew. One, two, three, four. It's right about here somewhere. Okay, so in the illustration I just showed you, there was three components necessary. Okay, we had two volunteers and then we had instructions. I was playing the role of the instructions because we didn't have time to let her read all the instructions. Um, but there was two components. There was the person that was laying lifeless that needed life. And then there was someone assisting them. And then there was uh, me that was giving instructions. So instructions, someone to perform the work and then someone to receive the power. All right, so let's uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. Say John, because I like to get some feedback. Say John. John. Chapter, one. chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. I would encourage you to take notes. I encourage your teenagers to take notes, because once you leave here, you will not remember everything I told you in every passage that we went to. So it's important that you write it down. Uh, on the paper, off the mind. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all, um, that all through him might believe. Verse 8 says, He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness to that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and he was, um, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Verse 11, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory and glory as of the, um, his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and of truth. Now, listen, I don't assume that you read the Bible, so we're going to read it together. Um, Pastor Earl asked me to minister, well, you know, the word to you guys tonight, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to minister on Wednesday night. He's like, no, no, I mean, like, in the adults, because we're not going to have the current service that night. I was like, oh, you mean, like, okay, yeah, yeah, we can do, oh, absolutely, you know, obviously I showed no, I was like, yes, Pastor, absolutely, thank you for the opportunity, but I'm like, it's the adults, um, but I believe that um, truly God has anointed me to minister the message tonight. And if you'll have ears to hear and a heart to receive, then you'll absolutely get everything that God has for you because I believe that he has a word for you for tonight. Do you believe that? Yes. All right. If you believe that, then shout out amen every now and then and stand up every now and then and just say, okay, it's Wednesday night, but I can get this thing on. I'm going to receive all that God has for me. Amen. Yes. All right. So it says Jesus is connected to the heart of the Father. 
He is full. It said he is full of grace and truth. So when Jesus was here, he only did what the father told him to do. He only he only did. He was the word. So anything he did always lined up with the word because it says we read it right here that he was the word. And it says the word became flesh and the word always was. It was always in the beginning. So if we want to be connected to the father, we must we must be connected to Jesus. This is why we read the Bible. You know, um, I have grandparents, grandparents that um, maybe they've changed it now. I've been doing this thing for 18 years now. I've been reading the Bible every year, once a year for 18 years. So surely by now they've gotten the hint that I need to read my Bible. But when I first started coming to Anchor Faith Church and then we got it on this thing called a Bible reading plan, that was a foreign concept. I was like, about what, what do we do with a Bible reading plan? Oh, this is how you read the entire Bible. The whole thing? It's like, yeah, we read the whole Bible, you know, cover to cover. Genesis, Revelation. I was like, I don't think I've ever done that. You know, and I've called my grandma. I was like, hey, grandma, who's been the pillar of support of truth for our life. You know, like our whole family. You know, we all know that, you know, mama was with Jesus. You know, she walked on the earth with him because she's that old. And, you know, she's just that good. You know, so I'm like, hey, I said, how many times have you guys read the Bible? I'm thinking this epic number. You know, if she's in her 70s and 80s, I'm like, oh, my gosh, how many times you read? She's like. I don't think I've ever read the whole thing. And I was like, wow. So, so we, we base our whole lives on a book that we've never even read the whole thing? I was like, you know, our teachers make the kids read an entire book to do a book report. And we, and we, we run our whole lives on this book and some of us have never even read it. I was like, man, forgive me, Father, please. Um, so when I signed up for Kingdom Institute, then we're reading it in eight months. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Eight month Bible in, one, in eight months, the entire thing. Like not just like the Gospels, like all of it. So, you know, God's faithful because once you start reading into his word and then you read it again and you read it again and then you read it again and you read it again. And you're like, man, even through the parts of it, you're like, oh, my gosh, who begat, who begat, who begat, who? You know, it's like we just got to know, man, God is so he's so beyond where we're at. We just got to we got to get ourselves to where he's at, because that's where we just read it, man. And we know that everything in it is for a purpose. God doesn't do anything on accident. He didn't like accidentally make the book of numbers for us to have to be bored and read through. You know, he actually put it in there for a purpose. And you got to stir yourself up like, Lord. I know there's something here for me, you know, so you read it and you know that if the word is alive and living and active, then everything it's going to do is going to produce power for me. And that's what that little illustration was. It was about something that was producing power. Okay. We are lifeless. The church is lifeless without the power, without the word and without the Holy Spirit to produce the word, to perform the word. We are powerless and we got to get connected. And sometimes we need some help. That's why we can't do it on our own. That's why it says come to church. That's why you should come to church. That's why the number one thing the devil tried to do was try to shut the church down because if I can get them away from each other, then they're going to be out there all alone. No, we need each other. That was not in the notes, but you can, that's free. That's free. So, uh, so then we got to, let's go to Genesis chapter one. Let's go to Genesis chapter one. We're going to read the first two verses. Genesis chapter one, verses one and two says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And then it says, this is where I want to key in. It says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Amen. The spirit of God is the power that performs God's word. Yeah. Right. 
Okay, when I connected, you know, we had to have a natural device to administer power. Okay, but something had to connect like that. The defibrillator had the power, but then it had to have the lines and leads to go over to administrate to get the power from one place to the next. Okay, so they had to have we had to have someone administering the power. So I would surmise to you that um, that. Jesus is the power. The word is the power. Okay. I was giving instructions. I was in that illustration. I was representing God or the word because I was giving instructions and she was having to heed to and follow the instructions. Okay. The power was the Holy Spirit and the one that received the power was will whenever he brought in the power because without the power, the heart will stop. Without power, your heart will stop. And without power in a church, the church will stop. And if the devil, well, he's trying to take away the power. He's, he wants to get in somehow and sever the lines to get you disconnected from power. And one way he did last year was he got everyone spread out, got everyone away from each other. And he did the best job that he could to get everyone away from each other so that no one could have anyone's back. Because his daughter connected the power. She was there to help. She was there to help the process. So we need each other. You know, we, the body, we need each other, man. I need you guys and you guys need us. You know, your teenagers need me. We need Pastor Earl. We need the pastor. We need the five-fold gifts of the ministry. You know, we need each other. When it's all working together, man, God and Jesus, they had a design for the church. And we were never supposed to do it on our own, man. We need Amen. each other's help. Amen. So the Spirit of God um, was had to be there in order to perform the Word of God. So now let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Please write these down, because otherwise you're never going to remember everything I said. You're never going to have any idea where I was going and why I went there. So Genesis chapter 2, say Genesis. Genesis. Chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. In the day that you eat, you will surely die. So God loves him enough. He gave him this perfect scenario. He gave him all rulership, all dominion. In Genesis 126, we see that he was created in the image of God. He was given all power, all rule, all dominion. And he places him here and he says very clearly, he gave him clear instructions. Remember what she yelled? Clear! Clear instructions. So when you're writing these down, clear is constantly living equipped and righteous. Constantly living equipped and righteous. Because you must be equipped and you must live righteous. We di Jesus died for us so that we can receive his blood and live a righteous lifestyle. So I would call this thing clear, and it stands for constantly living, equipped, and righteous. And we have to stay connected to the power, to the source. The Word of God is the source. Okay, it is the, it is the source for our power. The Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is all three combined. It's all encompassed into one living God, and we have to be connected. We have to read the Word. We have to submit the Word. We have to abide by the Word. And we, ha we need the Holy Spirit because He teaches us. He leads us. He, rem he reminds us of things. So we have to be connected to the power. So in Genesis uh, chapter uh, 2, verse, 13, verse 15 and 17, I just read that. He said, you will surely die if you eat of the tree. So this, in other words, He gave him instructions. He gave him everything he needed to live. He gave him all the, he has all the power to obey. He has all, there's nothing, there's way more options to get it right than there are to get it wrong. Because remember, he said of any tree you're, you can freely eat. 
of any tree. So there's way more options to get it right than there were to get it wrong. You know, it wasn't like God was trying to trick him or set him up for failure. No, he gave him everything he needed. He gave him the whole entire world. He gave him the dominion. And then he gave him the clear instructions that said, if you eat of this one tree that I've put in the midst of the garden, that word midst, if you look it up, is in, another word is in the middle. So it's right dead center in the middle. Like, don't get this wrong. Eat of any tree except the one in the middle. Because he said, if you do, you will die. So if you have life is in obedience. All right. So he said the word equals power. Okay. Because he has all the power. He received the word and now he has power. He has power to live because he received the word. Okay. The word said, don't eat from that tree. Now I have the power. Then obedience equals connection. Because if I have to be obedient, in order for me to be connected to power and connected to life, I have to be obedient to the word that was given. And then life is the result of obedience to the word. So write that down. Word equals power. Obedience equals connection. And life is the result of obedience to the word. God gave us the word. He gave us his word. This is why we have to read it. If you don't do anything else at Anchor Faith Church, if you don't connect or serve in any other area of ministry, you ha you've got to, it is imperative that you read the word, man. You have to read the word. You have to get it in you to where when you're out, and to people, you're, you're interacting with the public. They just, they can hear, they can sense. Like, you know, you may accidentally say thou, you know, to a waitress. You know what I'm saying? Like, you kind of read the Bible so much that it just like spills out of you. That way, when the devil comes at you to attack you, and he will, I know that he will because the Bible says that he will. Um, and when he comes to attack you, he attacks you from a position of defeat because we have so much word in us. We'll be just like Jesus whenever Jesus only responded with the word. When the devil tempted him in the wilderness, the only thing he responded with was, it is written. And man, we got to know um, what is written. I want to thank all of you guys who prayed for my grandmother uh, who was in the hospital uh, she went in, there was an, uh, she's in Kentucky, where I'm from, that's where the accent's from, for those of you who don't know who I am, um, but you know, she was in Kentucky in a hospital, and it's different, man, it's different up there, you know, you guys should email your governor and thank him, because it's different up there, um, and uh, so she went in, she's in, she's in the hospital, no one's allowed in there, <laughs> we're not going there, but no one's allowed in there. Okay, and we just have to trust what they're like. She, they're saying, oh, she's fine. We're, we're giving her this. We're giving her that. She's doing fine. And then I call her and she answers my phone, my phone call. And she I've never heard her sound like this. And she was like, she was like, she sounded like death, like literally. And then she was like, she said the words, Brandon, I'm dying. And I was like, I've never because she's this she is the support and pillar of truth in our family. She's always like, oh, you got a cold memo? I see you're sneezing. Oh, no, I'm the healer of the Lord. No, oh, no. Oh, devil can't get me sick. Oh, she's always been, always been speaking faith. And then she tells, says those, phrase, those words, I'm dying. So I was like on, almost on freak out mode. I'm not calling my, my hunting buddies. I'm like, we got to take guns to Kentucky, man. We got to get her out of there. <laughs> I, I told my mom, I'm like, mom, I said, I'm, I'm calling Ron DeSantis. Me and the Florida National Guard are coming up there and we're getting her out of the hospital. And she's like... Just know that your, your grandma's safe. She's with the Lord. I'm like, she's going to be with the Lord and with the Florida National Guard is where she's going to be with. That's my grandma. That's my grandma we're talking about, you know. But no, I stayed in peace. I called my brother. I'm like, I'm like Devin. I'm like, you need to tell me something because I'm 
feel myself getting into the flesh. I need to get back into the spirit because my flesh says go get everything I can naturally get. But I've got to trust truth. i got to know that she's the heel of the Lord. But I said that to say she's out now. She's at home. She's eating. Um, she's on the road to recovery. So from three days ago, next to death, not letting anybody in. My mom flies out there from Oklahoma. I'm sure she had some guns blazing too. She's a little, she's a little fireball, but they, she's out and she's home. So I just want to say thank you all who prayed for her on Sunday. She is home and doing a lot better. Amen. Uh, so let's go back, get back into the word. Let's go to Genesis. We're still in Genesis. We haven't even got out of the first book of the Bible yet. Uh, Genesis chapter, what time is it? We're good. Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. Say Genesis. Genesis. Chapter 3, verse 22 says, Then the Lord God said, so what's he doing? He's giving another word. He's speaking a word, okay? This is what the power is what the, is in the word that he speaks. And then the Lord God said, Behold, now this is after man has eaten the fruit. This is at the end of Genesis chapter 3. It says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. You know, there were some things in this world that God never intended us to know about. He loved us enough to never actually intend for us to experience death. He never, ever wanted us to experience the loss of a loved one. He never wanted us to experience sickness. We would never, ever have experienced any of these things had not the one man allowed sin to enter the world. But I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit. But there are certain things that God did not, because you would say, why would God even make the tree? Well, because if there is no, is there, if there is no way to rebel, then there, how do I know whether or not you really love me or not? If, if I can't understand that you're going to follow my simple instruction that I give you, how am I really going to know whether or not you love me or not? Um, he didn't create an earth full of robots. He created an earth full of sons and servants. Um, the result of disobedience is correction, sorrow, sadness, loneliness, even death, which is simply separation from God. You know that... Adam lived to be like 900 and something years old. So it's not like he ate the fruit like, and died. He ate the fruit and still was on the planet for another like nine. It was 900 years he was here. Um, so the, the death that resulted was separation. Because remember when you read the Bible, it says that Adam and, and the Lord God would dwell with Adam in the cool of the day. They would just kind of hang out together and just walk with him. And then we know that God walked in the garden because and when Adam hid himself, Adam said, Oh, I heard, why'd you hide? He said, well, I heard the sound of you coming in the garden. So there was a sound that Adam could hear with his ears. I'm, I'm telling you, this thing is real, man. The kingdom of God is as real as the seat you're sitting in. Everything you see come from the unseen. Everything that was created on this earth come from an unseen realm. The unseen is m way more um, than the scene that we're living in. Someone's trying to share the Wi-Fi password. I don't need the Wi-Fi password right now. Thank you, anyone who tried to share it with me. Um, Let's go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 13. Say 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. Chapter 13, 13, verses 13 through 14. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Say shall not. Now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart 
And the Lord has commanded him to be the commander over his people, over his, over God's people, because you have not kept what the Lord God commanded you. Saul became disconnected from the heart of the father because he was not keeping God's commandments. Saul was in a position. He was anointed as king. He was there, but he was not keeping the commandments of the Lord. So God said, I'm going to take you out and I'm going to put in a person after my own heart because a person after my heart is keeping my commandments. Yeah. A person after my heart is following what I say and following my clear instructions. It's very clear. The word of God is very clear. We have to try to mess up the word of God. Seriously, we're like, oh, I know the devil is just out there attacking me. Well, the, the Bible very clearly says that no weapon formed against you shall ever prosper. It's very clear to know that when you get attacked by sickness, it doesn't it cannot stay there. It, can, it doesn't have the authority to stay there. So you have to know what clearly the word of God says that no, by his stripes, I was healed. I have already been healed. So when I start coughing, <laughs> I'm going to cough out the word of God, say, Lord, I am healed. So whatever, it doesn't matter what report you're getting, you are the healed of the Lord because that's what the Bible says. The word says it. I believe it. And that settles it. That's it. There's, there is no other. There is no plan B. What's, what's your plan B? If the Bible don't work it, there is no plan B. It's only what the word says. There's nothing else. God's power only comes through obedience to his word. The only way you can have the power of God operating in your life is you are obedient to his word. And if you're if you don't know what the word says, then you cannot be obedient to it. This is why um, police officers can accurately give you a speeding ticket because there's speed signs everywhere. Everywhere there's a sign that says 25 miles per hour. It doesn't say 25. Now this is for me. It doesn't say 25 plus five because I'm like, I'm, I'm one of those. They got any five mile an hour people in here? Oh, it's just five mile an hour. Over. Yeah, come on. You can be honest in the house of God. You can't be honest here. You definitely can't be honest when you leave. So, you know, so I'm like, okay, it's 25, but I'm really sturdy, you know. It's not going to be, they're not going to really pull you over for five miles an hour, you know. You get on the interstate, 65, oh, it's 70-ish, you know. We're, we're rolling along. Listen, obedience and righteousness, righteousness is in obedience. This is why that officer can clearly give you a ticket. Because he said you were going 36 in a 35. And you're thinking, oh, what kind of jerk police officer would ever give you a ticket for one miles an hour? It doesn't say 36. It says 35. And you can read it. And if you can't, you should not have been driving anyway. Because on the back of your license, it says corrective lenses required. Okay, so anyway, I'm not going to get into that service because I'll be like, y'all be clearing out. Seems like, oh, I got to go check on my kids or something. Uh, so anyway, the, the word of God is very clearly written so we can very clearly understand it and we can clearly be obedient to it. It's very good. And we clearly know that because God loves us, he has given us his word. He sent his son because he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. This is the only, God is love and he gave us his word because he loves us. And he wants us to be able to clearly be able to articulate his word and live out his word, obey, obey his word and righteously live out a kingdom lifestyle. Amen. 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 John chapter 14, verse 23. Say John. John. Chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me. He will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
He said, if anyone loves me, read it again. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my words. I can't repeat it enough. We have to read the Bible. And it's never, it's never feels like the convenient time. You know, because it's a discipline. In order to read the Bible, the whole thing, you have to discipline yourself. We have to say, no, this is the time. It helps us, you know, pick a time of the day. Like, this is when I'm going to read the Bible and not right before you go to bed. Don't read Deuteronomy right before you go to bed. Don't read Numbers right before you go to bed. No, don't, because you will not make it through. You'll wake up the next day and your Bible reading plan and will have played through the entire Bible overnight while you're asleep because you fell asleep and forgot to turn it off. And you may even be late for work because your alarm was reading the Bible and Numbers to you over and over. So, you know, you want to read the Bible because that's where life is at. And if we want to get connected to the power of God, we got to be reading our Bible because we have to be able to accurately live out the word of God. And we have to know, you know, we have to know when the devil is attacking us because some things will be like, oh, man, you know, there's su there's such a there's such a, a, a doctrine out there that's like, well, God works in mysterious ways. Uh, you know, his ways are higher than our ways. And, you know, the devil, I don't really know if that's the God. Or the no, it's very clear, very clear when an attack from the devil is there. And what God's purpose is, period. And you can never, you can get yourself into a position to where you never have to wonder what the difference is. Well, God's just te teaching me a lesson. No, he's desiring for you to read and obey his word. That's what he's doing. He's not putting sickness on you to teach you a lesson. God doesn't do that ever. He's never read the Bible. You'll not find it in there. He's never, he, ne he doesn't do that. Yep. Amen. Amen. Uh, say uh, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass. Say now. now. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on the earth. Listen, there is serious power in obedience to God's word. I'm, I'm talking there is serious power when you are actually knowing what the Bible says and how it can apply to your life today, because it wasn't just written for someone of old or some of the guys of the old. No, it's it's alive. Every day that you live on this earth, you have the ability to read the word and apply that word to your life. OK, and you're not stuck to a Bible reading plan. Don't get overwhelmed and think, well, I'm already reading the entire Bible in a year. I can't read anything else. No, you do your Bible reading plan and then you read the Bible because it's a relationship. Because if he, we read already that he is the word. In the beginning was the word and he was God. And he was with God. So if you want a close relationship with your heavenly father, you got to get in the Bible. That's the number one way you're going to build your relationship with God is by reading the Bible and praying in the Holy Ghost because you build yourself up on your most holy faith. So listen, this is very two simple things. If trees in the middle, read your Bible. It's very simple. God is not trying to trick us. It's not a hard life to live. It's not hard for us to navigate through 2021. I don't know what we're going to do next. No. Evil's in the middle. Read your Bible. It's A, B. Okay. C is life. It's very easy. I have life if I know what's wrong and do what's right. Know what's wrong, do what's right. We tell our children all the time, you know what's wrong, just do what's right. 
Make the right choice. Would they leave out of the house? Make good choices. You know, and we're just believing God that they're going to make good choices. Well, he gave us his word and he has faith in us. God has faith in us because otherwise he would just smoke the whole planet and start over. No, God loves us and he knows that once his son died for us and once we have the ability to receive the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the empowerment, now we can actually live this life of a believer and have the best life ever. You believe that? Man, it's very easy. It's very easy. Say clear. Clear. To understand. It's very easy. That was Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1. Let's read Proverbs chapter 10, verses 17. Say Proverbs. Proverbs. Chapter, 10, chapter 10, verse 17 says, He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Man, if we want life, we have to receive and keep instruction. We have to read the Bible. We have to get in life because if he keeps instruction, it doesn't say just because you read it, you're good. It says he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses goes astray. Is there a water? Can I get a water, Pastor April? Now I see why Pastor Earl drinks water every now and then. Say 1 John, John. chapter 3, verse 24. 1 John, chapter 3, verse 24. It says, now he who keeps his commandments. It's what we're doing. We're still keeping. What is the repeating factor here? It says, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. Um, would your co-workers or friends recognize you uh, in church? I'm just asking the question. It's a rhetorical question. <laughs> so, would you, if you, if your friends and your family found out, your co-workers found out that you go to church, would they be surprised? So, we should be living this thing and people should be hearing it. People should be seeing it. People should recognize the difference. There's something that's different about you. So, I, I don't know what it is, but he just, like Pastor Earl says, somebody, when the guy smacked him on the face, his drill sergeant, somebody smacked him on the face, and he turned the other cheek. I was like, that's not normal. Well, we shouldn't be normal. Because Jesus was in this world that he was not of this world. So we should not look like everyone else. We don't have to look like everyone else to try to win them over. No, I just want to be just like them so I can help. No, that's not. We are different. Jesus did not conform to the world. He set the world free from where they were bound to. Amen. Amen. James, say James. James. Chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. We're just going to read the Bible tonight. Therefore, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, listen, if you don't know the Bible says that, then when the devil tries to attack you, you're not going to know that all you have to do is resist him because you are perished because of your lack of knowledge. It says resist the devil and he will flee from you. It says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. I need another volunteer. Adult volunteer this time. You right over here. David Mackey, come on up here. Let's go, 
All right, David Mackey, come on, give it up for David Mackey. All right. So now you stop right there. I'm going to go over here so everyone can see. So watch this. All right, David Mackey. I'm going to be God. You're going to be trying to draw near to me. Okay, you take a step. It's a good question. Because he said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I wonder how many believers are wondering, should I keep coming? Should I stop? Should I, I, re I mean, I'm getting attacked. What do I do? Do I call the, I call the doctor? Do I call Jesus? You know, like, like he said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Now let's do something else. Go back up. Okay, now start walking towards me to the pole and then stop. Yep. Nope, nope, you stop. I said stop. I said you're following instructions. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. So now you start taking a step back. Okay? Now step all the way back over there. See, I'm here. So the kingdom of heaven is always at hand. God, just because if you draw near to him, he draws near to you, doesn't mean once you draw near to him and then you start to drift away, he's not going to, he's not just, okay, start over, start the race over. No, he, he's seated. He's seated on a throne. He doesn't move. He, his word is firm and founded. Thank you, David Mackey. You're good. God's not moving. God is there for you. You see, when you, if you draw in near to him, he's going to draw in close to you. If you want to get close to God, you've got to get in the Bible and you've got to find out, God, what is your word? What is your thought? What is your heart? The Bible said that David was a man after his own heart because he was always continually praying. He was always continually seeking God. You know, Matthew 6, we seek him first. Number one, he should be the number one person we ask the question to. Now, I've done this before. I'll give you a testimony from when I was... Samuel's age. He was, no, maybe I'm a little older. Maybe I was 17. Yeah, because I had been driving. I forget how the son's like. So anyway, I'm 17. It's a long time ago because I'm almost 40. So I was 17. And uh, so I was 17 years old and I had gotten this jet ski, you know, and I had this old jalopy car that beat and rattled and banged stuff, you know, because I'm from Kentucky. It's how we roll. You know, so I had this car, but I'm like, so I got a jet ski and I got a car. I ain't got a truck and I got a car. So I'm like, well, listen, I don't, I'll pull this jet ski with the car, okay? Because that's how we roll in Kentucky. We don't care. It runs. This runs. We got. We, so I needed a hitch. I needed a hitch because you know these, uh, these 1990 model Chevy Corsicas. Some of y'all know. Some of y'all probably have one. 1990 model Chevy Corsica did not come standard equipped with a hitch, okay? It came with four doors and a grocery in the back seat and a giant trunk. So anyway. Um, I'm trying to get the hitch off this van. My dad had a van, his old Chevy van, had a hitch on it, but it was like bolted on there. So I'm like, oh, easy, four bolts, we'll just take it off. So I got it off, took the four bolts out. It just wouldn't budge, man. So I'm like, man, I'm looking under there. I'm somewhat mechanically minded, you know? So I'm like, looking under there. I'm like, there's nothing else that's holding this hitch on this truck. What's the problem? So I'm prying it and beating it. And I mean, I slammed. I mean, I'm out here. It's June and it's hot. I got a jet ski. It's just waiting in a lake. It's just waiting and it's hot. And I'm sweating. I'm Bleeding, I've cut my hands, and I'm just like beating like a sledgehammer. I broke out the sledgehammer because if you know, if you can't get it with the small hammer, just get a bigger hammer. That's the that's the idea. Just get a bigger. So I got a sledgehammer. I'm beating this thing. I'm gonna have to replace the ball at this point because I'm just beat it with this sledgehammer. And I'm like, 
I don't understand how it's still on there. Nothing's attached. Nothing's holding it. I don't understand. And the Holy, the Holy Ghost said, you didn't ask me. I'm like, Lord, I need help. You know, I need help. I need to get this hitch. Now, this is just jet ski and a hitch. This is not some super spiritual direction for my life. But, he, you know, he's genuinely he's concerned about the things we're concerned about. So I'm like, Lord, I need help. And I said, put my foot on it to lean against it. And it fell on the floor. Now, some would say naturally minded. Well, it's because you beat it to death. It's about to have to fall off. But no, I know it's because I finally asked him. Because up until that point, I hadn't asked him for anything. I was figuring it out on my own. Yeah. I'm going to do this. And it didn't matter how big of a tool I had and how much pressure I put on and how much I beat it until I asked the Father, yeah. if you'll just give me a hand. If you draw in near to me, yeah. he said, I'll draw in near to you. Yeah. If you want a closer walk with God, then get it. Come on. Get it. Come on. Get in the Word and get it. If you have a hard time hearing God, the number one way He will talk to you is through His Word. Well, I just don't remember when the last time I heard God is. Well, when's the last time you read the Bible? Because yeah, he always speaks through his word. Right. Always, without fail, he always speaks. I don't care if you do the little thing like I do when I was a kid. I'll open it up and like wherever, whatever page I'm going to read today. This is what God wants me to read today. You know what I'm talking about? I've done that as a kid. I go, okay, Lord, I know you need me to read the Bible. I know you need me to read the Bible, Lord. So because you need me to read the Bible, you're going to tell me where to read it. So I would just open it up and just, you know, zip my finger around and flip it. You know, maybe open the Bible up and let it fall, you know, and then, oh, there it is. That must be the one scripture that you need me to read today because I only need to read one because, you know, I've read the Bible. I've checked the box now. I've read one scripture. You know, listen, man, if I want a relationship like that, then I'll have a life like that. If I want to have a relationship like that, just I'll call on you when, when I need you and I'll roll the dice and see what I read. Then, man, that's, the, that's what I'm going to get out of God because up until the point until I asked him, I had not received any help from him, truly, because I was bleeding, sweating, and just exhausted and frustrated with, because I know mechanically this thing should not be on there. What's the problem? You know, well, the problem is I didn't ask for help. Amen. God will never move away from us, but we, but we can drift away from him. He's seated. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Say Romans. Romans. Chapter 8, verse 12 through 17. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again of fear, but you received the spirit of ad adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, 
If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We must train ourselves to live by faith and not by the flesh. Yeah. We, have to, we have to do that. This is not a Jesus take the wheel kind of kingdom lifestyle we're living. We have to train our flesh because the flesh wills and sets its eyes against death and separation. But the spirit always sets its, it sets its eyes on the spirit of God. So that's why it says they are constantly in opposition of each other. The flesh does what the flesh wants to do. The spirit is always crying out to get closer to God. But, and they war with each other daily. But we, we have to train our flesh. That's why we tell ourselves when we wake up in the morning, when, the, when your pastor gives you two early mornings at 6 a.m. prayer, you have to tell your flesh that you're going to get up. You have to say, arise, O sleeper, wake from the dead. Yeah. You know, you got to tell yourself, I'm getting up. Yeah. If that means I have to go to bed early, then I have to discipline myself to do that. Because yeah. sometimes on, a thir on uh, Thursday mornings are my mornings to open prayer. Every Thursday morning, I open the building at Thursday morning prayer. So on Wednesday nights after service, I want to go home, want to chill, want to you know, talk, want to see what's on the news. So I have to discipline myself. No. I have to shut this thing down because my flesh is going to want to sleep, but I'm going to tell it when to get up. So there's a discipline that I must adhere to because I can't just sleep in. And then, you know, Pastor Earl's called me. It's like, hey, I got to prayer this morning. I was going to come on Thursday morning and there's 13 people sitting in the parking lot. Where'd you at? Now, has it happened before? Yes. You know, <laughs> but listen, I have to discipline myself to get up every day. I have to say, listen. This is what, God, you've called me to be here. You've connected me with this church. You've placed me in the body where it pleases you. And this is what I'm going to do. If I'm going to be connected to the vision, I'm going to have to get some sleep, you know, because i got to tell my flesh it does not get what it wants. When I get up and go to the gym early in the morning, I say, the flesh doesn't get what the flesh wants. It's just a, just a little phrase. I tell myself, ah, get up, get up, just get up, shake it off, just get up, drink a cup of coffee, get your pre-workout, get up. Whatever you got to do, man, just get up. Pray in the Holy Ghost, but get up. Whatever you do, get up. Hallelujah. Uh, we are anointed by God to live by faith so that we can bear fruit. Right. Right. Teenagers, in your final stages of foundation building before you get into a young adult. I'll talk to you teenagers for a minute. You're in the final stages of foundation building before you become a young adult. Before you have your own decisions. Before you have your own responsibilities, you come out from underneath mom and daddy's wing and you've entered into the land of adulting. Okay, that's what you call it, right? Adulting. So you are building your family. This is the final stages of your, found of your building right now. Right now. You are setting a foundation and you're making choices right now as a teenager that will influence the way you will live the rest of your life. It'll determine what kind of wife you'll be what kind of husband you'll be, what kind of employee you'll be, you know, what kind of integrity you'll have, what people will say about you, what people... Now, you, we know that we have our true identity is in Christ. So if you're building a foundation, you want to have a foundation that's in Christ and build it and firmly founded in the Word of God. Um, adults, what, what foundation have you given uh, God to work with? You know, because God desires to make something great out of you. He desires to do something great through you. So what kind of foundation does he have to work with? Because this has been up to us. 
It has been up to us to read the Bible. It has been up to, up to us to begin, become born again, receive the spirit of truth, get baptized with the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, building ourselves up in our most holy. But it's up to us to give God a firm foundation to work with. Because if it's firmly founded on the word of God, then God can do something great. Right. Amen. Amen. Um, does your life bear fruit? Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. Does your life bear fruit? Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But the fruit of the spirit is joy, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Does your life produce these things? Are they evident? Because if your life is producing all these things that we just listed, and we all should be as believers and children of, of God's kingdom, our lives should all be producing these things. If there's any one area that is lacking, it is not God's fault. God does not have a deficiency. It is what have you chose to adhere to? What commandments are you following? Because some believers think they pick and choose which one of God's word and which one of his commandments that they have to live by. Right. Well, I'll do this, but and I don't want to do that. Well, you know, I'll, and I, I don't want to be hard on the people that don't go to morning prayer, you know, because, you know, I see who does and who doesn't. But, oh, I'll pray when I get up or I'll pray when God said we'll pray corporately together because there's different, you know, there's a difference. Uh, and praying by yourself in your prayer closet, because I don't doubt that I'm sure every one of us has our prayer closet or a place that we get away and quietly talk with God. Some of them, it's in our car ride on the way in, wherever you're at. I know you all talk to God. I'm not questioning anyone. But have you connected to the vision of Maker of Church and said, OK, I'm going to get up at an appointed time and corporately pray because there's a corporate anointing that is associated with praying. This is why Pastor Earl does not just do these things to say, I got gotcha. you. You know, ah, I'm going to add an extra day to get up. Because we've always prayed at Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. I'm going to add an extra day. Ha, ha, I'll see how they like that. No, that is not his heart. And all of you who know him know that that is not. Everything he does is because God told him to do that. And everything that God told him to do has a purpose. So that's a little shout out for you. Get up, man. Get up. Wait. So um, foundations. Foundations. A little bit of information here that was kind of cool. There is a skyscraper in Los Angeles called the Wilshire Grand Center that is 1,100 feet tall. Okay, it's pretty tall. Um, its foundation is 90 feet deep. So it's like, oh, that's a pretty tall building. But its foundation goes, so when you look at the building and you look up, when you look at the bottom of it, where you think it starts, it doesn't start there. It actually starts 90 feet below you. 90 feet. Uh, let's look at another one. Uh, this one in Chicago, the Willis Tower in Chicago, uh, is 1,451 feet tall. Its foundation goes 100 feet. So it's only another, so it goes up another, you know, several stories, but it's, it's 100 feet deep. So if this, that when you're standing on the sidewalk, 100 feet below you is where the foundation starts. It starts down there, 100 feet below you. Watch this. This one is kind of cool. In Taiwan, there's no way I'm going to pronounce this word, but you can look it up. There's a building in Taiwan. 
that's 1,667 feet tall. Now check this out. Its foundation is 262 feet deep. 262 feet below where you stand is where its foundation begins. And my question for you is where does yours begin? How long have you been doing this? Now, listen, God can redeem our time. So some of you, you can get born again today and tomorrow have a really good foundation. Because if you're born again and founded on the word of God, he's no respecter of persons. So he's not going to do something for this person who's been raised in church their entire life. And this person over here that just now got introduced to God, who's never even heard about the things of God and just started right there. He's not going to be favoritism to this person over this person. I'm, t I'm asking you, those of you who've been around this thing, what does your foundation look like? Because God desires to do something great in your life. He desires to do something great through your life. All these guys that we read about in the Bible were like, wow, what awesome, how awesome it would have been to be one of David's mighty men, you know? How awesome it would have been to be around when, you know, when Samson got it right, you know? How awesome would it have been, you know? Like, no, what is God? God desires to do something through you right now. You know, what book is being written about your life? What things are being added? What chapters and verses are being added about your life to where how you impacted the people all around you? This entire organization was saved because of the witness. John said, he, it says that John was there to bear witness. Yes. Bear witness of the one coming. He was, says he was not the light. He was there to bear witness of the light. What kind of light are we? Are we a witness to the light? Are we the witness to Jesus? You know, you know, sheds can be built on top of the dirt. For all of you tiny home lovers, I was really hoping somebody else is going to be here tonight, but they'll hear it on the, the recording. This is for the tiny home lovers. You know what a tiny home is, okay? We've all saw that. You know, sheds can be built on top of the dirt. Uh, God wants to build more than a shed through you, okay? Um, it's up to us to establish the foundation, a shed. Here's the definition of a shed. I love this because this is when I thought about tiny homes. <laughs> a shed is a simple roofed structure, typically made of wood or metal, used as a storage place, as a shelter, or as a workshop. You know, we live in a society that wants to call a shed a tiny home. Now, listen, when I, when I grew up, you know, we had a shed. You know, sell back. Wasn't great. Wasn't, I never, ever thought, how cool would it be to live there? How awesome. Now we made a tree house because that's cool. The only thing cool about a tree house was you put it way up in a tree. And it's, you know, you don't even know it's like a, it's like a roller coaster. Like, oh my gosh, is this thing going to fall at any second because I'm the one that put it up here. You know, no, that's because there's a little excitement there. But no, I'm, I, you know, tiny home, it's just, it's just a shed. It's a shed. So I love all of you tiny home lovers, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's a shed. Because sheds are just built, it can be built on top of the dirt. A shed or a tiny home does not require a foundation. It can just be built on, you can go to Home Depot and get some really nice sheds. My brother in the back, Devin Hicks, look at him, he's talking, he's not listening. There you go. See, look, my brother, this is my blood brother. We've been together forever. And if there's anybody that has my back, it's that guy right there. For, it doesn't matter that I just called him out in front of everybody. It doesn't matter. He's still got my back tomorrow. He bought one of the nicest sheds I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they came and delivered it on a, like a tractor trailer. I mean, it was epic. 
It was so epic that his neighborhood was like, bro, you can't have that shit so close to the road. It's too close to the road. It's like a house. Because it was, I mean, it's, but it was awesome. But it doesn't matter what, it was, it was delivered on a truck and set on the ground. Required zero foundation. And it looked really nice. But at the end of the day, it was a shed. So sometimes we as believers, we look really nice. But man, our obedience and our, because only, only we know what God's told us to do. Only we know what God's been speaking to us. Only we know what God's been giving us in dreams and visions. Only we know that secret place that no one else knows. God knows that. And, and we only us know whether or not we're making a shed or we're building a foundation for God to do something great through. Because if you're building a shed, man, you'll have a shed life. They're like, oh, here's some hurricane straps for your shed. It's a shed. You know, God wants to do something great. And, he's, and he, the only way he can do that is if we're drawing in close to him. Here, we got to draw in close to him. We got to say, God, what does your word say? What, Holy Spirit, what would you like me to do? How can I do? You know, we got to get close to God. And the only way we can do that, we have to do that. We have to discipline ourselves to read the Bible and not only read it, but we have to be a doer of the word. John chapter 14, verse two says that in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus in this passage is trying to, to enlarge our capacity. Because think about it. He's talking to farmers and, you know, he's talking to these guys that, you know, these tiny home lovers. Like he's talking to people that build sheds, you know, and they have their donkeys and their camels and sheds and barns. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, in my father's mansion, or in my father's uh, kingdom and in heaven are many mansions. And they're, they're probably thinking, can you imagine what, like, mansion? I mean, look at what I live in. You're preparing a mansion for me? He was trying to enlarge their capacity. There's so many things that God wants to do great through you. you there's so many ways that God wants to use you. God can use you to do great and powerful things in the earth, but you have to obey, you have to read, and you have to submit yourself to what he's saying. Um, it, it, our life for Christ should be more than just a tiny home. Uh, get some depth in our relationship with God so that he can do something great through you. We got to have some depth to us. You know, we cannot just live. This is, you know, in this day and age we live in today, we cannot just, it's not just a show up for Sunday and be good till next Sunday. It's not just a, well, I'll come to Sunday and I'll come to Wednesday. I'm good. You know, no, we have to have a daily routine, an everyday conversation with God. Because for those of you guys who are married, how would you, you know, if you talk to your wife or husband once a week, how long would that relationship really last? Well, we're in covenant. It has to last forever. Yeah, but it can be happy and great or it can be sad and miserable. Marriages are what we make it. Yeah. So shout out for all the adults in here. All you teens are like, oh, God, he's talking about being married to my mom. You know, <laughs> I'm talking about us as believers. You know, our relationship with God is what we make it. If we are the bride of Christ, then that means there's some things to be said about relationships. 
So we have to have a daily routine. We have to, I'm talking about talking to God while you're brushing your teeth. You're talking to God when you're waking up. You're talking to God before you go to bed. You're talking to God while you're driving to work. You're talking to God when you need help. You're you don't just go to him when you need something. You just say, Lord, thank you today. I thank you for you giving me breath today. I mean, how, how many of us are actually focusing on our relationship with God so much that we're talking to him and reading his word every single day? We have to seek first every day. We don't just say Matthew 6, because it's our favorite verse in the Bible. It's every single day, every day I wake up and I choose. I, I can't bank on yesterday and what I heard yesterday, what I did yesterday. No, every single day we wake up and we choose. I'm going to put on love because I'm about to go to St. Augustine where they have no more roads, 10,000 more houses, no more roads. So God, I need patience today. God, I need your love today. I need to be able to act gentle. I need to be able to prefer someone else because this is what love does. Love prefers someone else over yourself. I'm not going to hit the gas. I'm going to tap the brakes and allow someone to go in front of me because they're, so in, they're in such a hurry. And my favorite place is uh, right here on 207 where they made this awesome turning lane. And everyone races to get to the turning lane first because that's, that's what we do. We have to get there first. So I'm going to fly over here. Even though there's a line of cars that quarter of a mile long, I'm going to fly to the front and then I'm going to put my signal on and I'm going to cause everyone to hit their brakes and back up. Now, if you guys are one of those, you can repent and get it right. <laughs> you know, but you know, you have to be the one that says, you know what? I am going to keep my right, my heart right. I'm going to have peace patience, love. I'm going to prefer someone else. I'm not going to get wrought up. I'm not going to allow them. This has been a process that God's been dealing with me with. Like, okay, I'm telling you, I'm no, I'm a glass house. So you need to know that everything I, I, I minister to you because I love you and God has allowed, he's brought me to another place. He has brought me from one place to the next because I sought him first. And this is what we have to do. We have to wake up and say, God, I was this way yesterday, but today I'm going to be better. You said I can be better because you, you've given me a word. You told me, I see how I operated yesterday. Today, I see how I can operate differently because I read in the word today how I can put on love, how I can put on patience, how I have the mind of Christ, how I can do this thing because you said I could. God called you great. It's not something that you just, we, we don't just make it up motivationally to get you guys all stirred up and get you, you know, able to make it to Sunday. No, this is what God said. The Bible says these things about us. And if we believe that the Bible is the word of God, that it is the, the book that has withstood all the tests of time, it is the only printed document that has ever withstood the entire length of time that it has and never changed. All the translations, everything that has been translated out, all say the same exact thing because it was breathed by God. It was penned and inspired by the Holy Spirit. And if you receive it and believe it and apply it to your life, it's very important. You read it and you do it. Amen. Read it, do it. Read it. Know that it's for you. Know that love did that. God gave you his word. He gave us his son. He gave us the ability to live a righteous lifestyle. When I received the blood of Jesus, it covered me. It, it cleansed my sins and allowed me to stand before God as if sin has never existed in my life. Now, there's people in here that know of, of the teenage years that I grew up in. Man, I mean, I was a I was a punk. You wouldn't even recognize me. If you would have known me, most of you wouldn't have even liked me. I don't even know if anyone liked me. 
You know, I, I was a hero in my own mind. So it, to me, it didn't matter. I'll do whatever I want to do. And it doesn't matter who gets trampled on, whose feelings get hurt. As long as these people laugh, and long as there's people that gets excited when Hicks gets there, then I'll just do it. It doesn't matter. And that was a selfish way of living. That was, I was only seeking me, period. Um, and, but God, has he, he cleansed me. The moment I began, became born again and received the blood and his blood was poured out on the mercy seat for me, and I received that blood, it clothed me and cleansed me. And that old man, David Mackey, that was up here, he'll tell you about the old man. That old man that once was me, he's gone, he's dead. I've died to that guy. I'm alive in Christ now. The, the me that's now is the me that God called me to be. It's the me that God always intended and he always knew I would get there. God always knew. He says, before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you and I knew that I pl the plans that I had for you, plans for you to prosper, be of good health. And so he knew me and he knew, man, keep it right, man. Just keep it right. Get connected, read the Bible, receive me and just keep it right. And I'll make you the best version of you you'll ever be. Because without Christ, we're just going to try to figure it out and we're always going to fail and we're going to wonder and then, and then we'll blame God and it's never been God's fault. He's always given us everything we needed. He's given us his word and he's given us the ability to apply his word to our life. And if we believe it and receive it, man, we'll do something great. Amen. Amen. Uh, John chapter 15, verses uh, 16 and 17. Say John. John. Chapter 15, 15. verses 16 through 17. Says, yeah, it's good, it's obedience. I like it. I'm going to wait until you guys say the second thing. I like it. It's good. The teenagers, they, they check out. They do it the first time, they're excited, and then they're like. <laughs> so I just say it and go on. That's why I've been kind of not waiting for you guys to read it. But I mean, it's kind of nice in here. You know, if you guys all texted Pastor Earl, um, and said, man, Pastor Branham, the service tonight was so awesome. We think he should be in the adult sanctuary every Wednesday night until after his room is done. He would probably do that. But if not, um, we're going to be in here on Sunday night starting on the 11th. Say the 11th. 11th. On the 11th, we're going to start having our teenage services, youth services. The current services will be on, in here on Sunday nights on the 11th, unless you all text him tonight and say, we need him on Wednesday nights, and then we'll just stay here. So John chapter 15, verses 16 to 17, he says, you did not choose me. Listen to this. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Now, this is the reason he chose you, because he knows that you can bear fruit. You have the ability to bear fruit. You, all the fruits of the spirit that I listed for you, you have the ability. And he said that's the reason he chose you is because you will go and bear fruit. He says, I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the father and my name, he may give you these things. I command you that you would love one another. Are we loving one another? Is our love waxing cold or are we loving one another? Because this is a very, this is an easy place for the enemy to get you trapped up in. Because you'll think you're doing everything great. And you may read, be, you're even reading your Bible every day. You're praying every day. You're fasting. You're doing all these things that Jesus said to do. But if we're, if our love towards each other is getting, if there's tension, uh, I heard uh, Randy Clay tell me one day, he said, a good way to know um, whether or not you are holding something against someone is if they mention their, if, if you mention someone's name and you get this, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, 
You know, if you, someone says someone's name, and then you're going to get this in the, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's a good indicator that you've got to let something go. There's a good indicator that you're holding on to something. That's them because it's our love for each other. It's our love. Jesus loved the world. He came. God loves us and he loved us so much that he gave us his only son. It's all about our love. Remember, even there's like, what's the greatest commandment? You know, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Well, to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you're doing those two things, it's all going to fall in line. The entire Bible that, that those two phrases encompasses the entire Bible, all Ten Commandments, all the things. I mean, everything. If you're loving God, you're going to read the Bible. Then you'll know what it says. Then you'll know what to do. So he's very simple, very wise uh, response was, well, he's like, uh, was it number eight or was it three? Uh, no, it's four. It was four. No, he said, you love the Lord your God with all your heart all your mind, all your soul, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Because, man, we, you know we all love ourselves. You know we all love ourselves. We got to let that go, and we got to say, man, I love, I prefer you over me. I prefer your uh, interests over my interests. You know, God's got me taken care of. I'm going to prefer you. God, I love you, and I'm going to read your. I'm going to read the Bible. I love you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul. I'm going to submit to your word. I'm going to submit to your walk. I'm going to do everything I can. You speak to me. I'm listening. I'm hearing you. I'm reading it. I'm doing it. I'm putting on this thing called love. I'm I'm walking in love with my neighbors. It doesn't matter how they they fresh. It doesn't matter if they frustrate me. I'm going to put on love. You know, we took 67 people to Virginia last week. I took 60. Now it's not including the praise team and the praise band. Pastor Marcus took them all up there. Um, but my wife and I took 66 people. 67 was the number including us. But we were in vans that you guys helped sew and pay for. And we thank you for that. That's awesome. Women. They really enjoy camp. And we really enjoy riding up there in AC vans instead of that hot bus out there piled all in there. Um, but we took 67 people up there and we were stuffed in five vehicles for 12 hours on the way back. Now, this is time for your love walk to come. <laughs> this is when you know your foot's sticking in my ear. You can't stretch out. You can't lay down. You know, I, hear, I heard it all. And I was only on one van because you know, I was driving one van. I heard it all. You just spilled an entire bag of hot Cheetos. What are you thinking? <laughs> we just started the trip. Now we have to deal with an entire bag of hot Cheetos. It stinks. Who, who did that? You know? you know, all the way, all the way there. But you know what? I'm very proud of these guys. Because they all got out. No one was fighting. No one was crying. No one was mad. They all just walked in love with each other. They had a good time. We all had a week of just a good time in the Lord. We had healings. I got Matthew Dickerson's in the house. He um, somehow found a hole in the middle of this field and stepped in it and chipped his ankle. For the first time ever in camp, I had to take the first kid ever to the emergency room. And I'm having to use this waiver that says that I am authorized to, you know, have him worked on, you know, in another state. That's not so, you know, great, you know, you know, government wise, you know, it's, not, it's a little, a little. Anyway, we get up there and we're in there. And I'm like, Matt, I'm like, listen, I said, we're just going to go in here. And we're just going to, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Just trust me. I said, I got to go to the bathroom real quick. I said, don't, if they bring a stretcher in here, don't get on it. 
I'm like, I was just going to let him look at your foot and see if it's broke and we'll figure it out. So, you know, I go out there and we go in there and, you know, we get in there, we walk in the room and Matthew, he's, if you, if you guys don't know Matthew Dickerson, you need to introduce yourself to him because he's, he, he has a personality that's as big as this room. So we get in this room and the nurse says, um, I have my mask on because I'm submitting to authority. You know, I'm sorry. He didn't have his mask on, it's in his pocket. <laughs> they go in here and, the, the, you know, the, the nurse says, um, um, young man, you're going to have to put your mask on. Uh, so he said, oh, he said, he said, he said, ma'am, I'm from Florida. We don't wear masks. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Matthew. So he's like, so he's looking at me and he's like, I'm like, okay, is it broke? You know, so anyway, you know, we had a great time. We had a great time, man. Uh, God really worked Himself and showed Himself faithful for those students. Uh, Matthew is here today, walking without crutches, and um, his his foot is no longer swollen. It looks and it was he was walking around, and they told him he was going to be in a cast. They said you're going to be on crutches, you're going to be in a cast, probably six weeks of healing. And he's like, I don't think six weeks is going to work for me. And like, well, you know, that's typically how, you know, you want to check out with your orthopedics, you know, or whatever they're called. But he's like, you know, you're going to have to get it checked out. And he was like, no, nah. he's like, nah. and we, t we touched and agreed. It was like, all right, Matthew, I'm in prayer with you, man. We're in faith. It's supernatural healing. By the time you get to your checkup, they're going to be like scanning your foot and be like, I don't, they don't see anything wrong with it. And we'll blame it on a Virginia scanner and, you know, call it a day. You know, but God's faithful and, and they're believing, they're hearing the word and they're applying it to their life. And he is no respecter of person. He is, you know, Timothy, they're like, be careful that you don't despise Timothy's youthfulness. Man, God is doing some great things for the, with the youth ministry of Anchor Bay Church um, because they're hearing the word and they're doing the word and they're applying the word and they have faith. They know that it's right and they're reading it. Amen. Amen. So anyway, we walked in love with each other. It was a great time. Um, we can love one another because Christ loved us first. Uh, we can only love like Christ if Christ lives in us. So if you're having a hard time living like Christ and loving like Christ, you have to ask yourself the question, God, are you in me? You know, are you, am I representing you correctly? You know, you, these are self-identifying questions you must ask yourself. The Bible says that the word of God is like a mirror. Now a mirrors, you know, if you look in the mirror, it reflects exactly what it sees. It's just simply a reflection. The cool thing about the Word of God being a mirror, it doesn't work that way. Because the Word of God is a mirror that shows you who you can be. The Word of God shows you how you can love. The Word of God shows you how you can forgive. The Word of God shows you how you can have self-control. The Word of God says you can discipline yourself to read the Bible every day and every year. The Word of God says you can apply His love and apply His attributes and we can actually live just like Christ lived on the earth. Because Jesus said it was in our benefit that He went. Why did He say that? Well, you're Jesus. You're the Son of God. How can you tell me it's going to be better if you leave? He said, because of the helper I'm leaving behind. That is the spirit of truth. He said, I'll come to bear witness. You'll, he'll, he'll do everything that I did. And he is the power. He was that spirit hovering over the face of the deep. Remember the Bible says that the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. What was it doing? Remember up until that point, the very second verse of your Bible, up until that point, God had said nothing. Right. Read it. If you don't believe me, read it. I dare you to read the Bible tonight. Genesis chapter one, verses one and two says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep, That's right. waiting. 
And then the very next verse says, then God said, God did not get out of heaven, come down and start doing everything. God spoke his word and the spirit of God performed it. That God spoke the word, the Holy Spirit did it. Everything God spoke, the spirit of God did. And he still does that today. Jesus said, it is in your benefit that I leave because of the helper. That is the same spirit of truth that was hovering over the face of the deep in the very beginning of your Bible. It is in our benefit that he goes because now we can receive the Holy Spirit. We can receive that empowerment and we can actually do the same things that Jesus did. Up until the point, up until Jesus left, we were not doing everything that he did. But now we have the ability. Now we can receive by faith what God said. And you know what? If God's purpose requires me to walk on water, well, just like Peter did, man, I'm, I'll walk out there. And, you know, and you got to but you got to stay focused because when you're operating in the power, power of God, you have to stay focused on what it says, because it wasn't until Peter got off and started looking around that he lost focus of what Jesus said. Jesus said, come. And when all when Jesus said, come, it contained all the power that he needed to walk on water. And it wasn't until he got distracted and looked right or left and saw the winds and the waves and realized, oh, my gosh, I'm out here in the middle of a storm that he started to sink. If we will stay focused on what God said, read the Bible every day and know it, believe it, let it be written in your heart, receive it, know that it's for you, know that the Holy Spirit will empower you to perform that word. God will do everything that he said he would do and he will never leave you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And this is the same Bible, the same word that has been here from the beginning. It is applicable for our lives today. And if you believe it, if you believe that the Bible is God's holy word, and you believe that it is that Jesus is, was the son of God and that he died on the cross and that he uh, is now seated at the right hand of the father. If you believe that, that's all the Bible says that's necessary. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that you were a sinner, that you need this thing, that you need Jesus. And that's it. God said it. We believe it. And that's it. It's very easy. It's very clear. If you want to be connected to power, you got to be connected to the word. If you want to be connected to the word, you need the Holy Spirit. He's the connecting factor. He's the one that gets you connected. If God needed the Holy Spirit, man, we need the Holy Spirit. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. Oh,